In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We were all born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah, more commonly referred to as the Mormon faith. All of us have left that religion and have been drawn to faith in Jesus Christ based on biblical teachings. The name of our podcast, Outer Brightness, reflects John 1, 9, which calls Jesus the true light, which gives light to everyone. We have found life beyond Mormonism to be brighter than we were told it would be, and the light we have is not our own. It comes to us from without thus outer brightness. Our purpose is to share our journeys of faith and what God has done in drawing us to his son. We have conversations about all aspects of that transition, the fears, challenges, joys, and everything in between. We're glad you found us and we hope you'll stick around. You're listening to Outer Brightness, a podcast for post-Mormons who are drawn by God to walk with Jesus rather than turn away. Outer brightness, outer brightness, outer brightness, outer brightness. There's no weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth here, except when Michael's hangry, that is, hangry, that is, hangry, that is. I'm Matthew, the nuclear Calvinist. I'm Michael, the ex-Mormon apologist. I'm Paul Bunyan. Let's get into it. All right, Fireflies, welcome to this episode of the Outer Brightness Podcast. And as you can see, today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, today we have Jordan Rittmeyer. He's the Assistant Evangelist assistant evangelist Director. Is that what you said? Yes. Awesome. Assistant Evangelist Director at uh, Tri-Grace Ministries in Utah. So we'd like to welcome Jordan to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, we uh, just a short brief introduction of how we met is uh, I'm in a group on Facebook where you rate each other's Reformed memes online. So people make their memes related to Reformed theology or the Reformed world or what have you, and they submit it for people to rate it. And uh, there was a post on there somewhere where I had mentioned that I was Latter-day Saint, and then uh, Jordan's wife was in that group, and she said, hey, my husband, he's been doing a whole series on, on Mormonism uh, for his podcast. So, um, so yeah, so we met up that way. We kind of listened to some of your, to some of your podcasts. We saw that you did some work in Manti, so we're really interested to talk to you. And today we're going to kind of focus on um, witnessing to Latter-day Saints from a Christian perspective and how, how to witness to them, uh, what Jordan has experienced in his ministry, and maybe we can help those Christians who are unsure about how to talk to their Latter-day Saint friends, how to approach evangelizing them or talking to them and sharing the gospel. So we'll uh, hopefully head in that direction in, in this, uh, in this podcast. And um, so we're really hope that everybody will listen and that they'll enjoy. So uh, thanks everybody for joining and thanks again, Jordan, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate that. All right. So I didn't introduce too much about you other than where you're uh, doing your ministry. So let's start off by asking um, if you'd like to introduce yourself. So if you'd like to tell us where you're from, your early family life, uh, how and when you came to know and trust in Christ, etc. So I'll leave it up to you, Jordan. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm Jordan Rittmeyer. Um, yeah, from, from Tri-Grace Ministries in Ephraim, Utah. I've been in ministry for about six years and uh, worn lots of different hats within the ministry uh, as we've served uh, the people of uh, Ephraim, Utah. Um, you know, 
really when it, when it comes to ministry and, and where it all started, it started when I was pretty young. Um, my dad, uh, he and my mom would just read the Bible to us often. They'd read us stories with, with um, kind of biblical lessons behind it. And we would just talk about uh, the Lord pretty frequently. And, um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but really uh, gave my life to the Lord um, when I was about seven years old. I remember my dad coming up uh, to uh, my brothers and I, we all kind of shared a bedroom. And he said, you know, do you understand, um, you know, the message of uh, the gospel? Do you understand who you are? And, and I, I remember thinking, yeah, I, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I need a savior. I need forgiveness. I, you know, and it's weird because at that age, and when I look at seven-year-olds today, I'm like, surely I didn't process like that. But as I remember and, and think back through that, I did. I, I, I processed through that. And um, at that, that moment uh, in time is when I believe I was, I was truly saved. Um, but my faith really grew when I was in um, junior high, where I started observing um, my youth pastor started observing uh, different people, different men in my life who loved the Lord and what they were pursuing as far as uh, vocational ministry. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of that. I knew that that was something that I desired. And so I started signing up for like missions trips and started really studying what little I could um, about the Bible. And my mom had all these CDs uh, that you could put in. This is before iPods or, you know, um, you know, MP3 players or anything like that. She had like these CDs that were the Bible being narrated. And so I'd put this CD in, start with Genesis, and I would open up my Bible and I would listen and follow along in my Bible for hours and would do this every day. And um, I really felt like that was a foundation for my growth as a young believer. And um, as time continued uh, in high school, I was, I volunteered as, a, as a, like a youth leader um, in youth group. Uh, I started teaching and I really enjoyed that. And when it came time to figure out what I wanted to go into, I really didn't have to figure that one out. I kind of knew that, that I wanted to go into full-time ministry. I just didn't know when, where, or how uh, that would be or what that would look like. And so, um, you know, from that point on, uh, in that mix of things, my wife and I, uh, at the time we were dating, uh, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, she was attending a school called Laterno University in Longview, Texas. And I knew that I wanted to study uh, the Bible. Uh, I knew I wanted to get a Bible degree. I also had a love for airplanes, and that school offered um, aviation for missions. And so I, I applied thinking that I was going to double major in uh, biblical studies and mission aviation. Quickly realized I could not afford the aviation aspect of it, but still wanted to pursue the biblical studies aspect of it. So uh, that's what I did. Uh, I graduated from Laterno University with a biblical studies degree. Uh, and um, really that whole area, that whole uh, time span was when God was moving me in a direction where I thought I was going to be going in as a, as a, as a youth pastor or maybe even a, uh, an associate pastor and um, kind of pulled me in, the, in, in a different direction towards 
missions, evangelism, apologetics, and really that's kind of where I'm wired. Um, and so uh, in, in the spring of 2012, uh, I came into Utah for the very first time. I knew very little about Mormonism, and um, I had a heart to share the truth about the Lord, and that was it. And so I figured that would match and decided I would go to Utah. Um, part of that reason, too, was two years prior to my wife and I uh, getting married, she came to Utah on a missions trip with Tri-Grace Ministries. So it was kind of a shared experience, sort of. Well, while I was here uh, in, in 2012, uh, on, that, on that spring break trip, um, I quickly began to realize that Mormonism was not the same as Christianity. And there were some big, big um, theological differences and was able to understand those theological differences and, and have engaging and effective conversations with the Mormons that I was meeting. And they were perfect strangers. I mean, I didn't know them at all. And um, the Lord really opened my eyes to a need that was here in Ephraim, Utah. And so um, towards the end of that uh, missions week, uh, Chip and Jamie Thompson and Shane and Kim Jones, who are both co-laborers in our ministry uh, to this very day, uh, they approached me and they said, hey, we're looking for another young couple to join our staff. Would you, would you be interested? Would you consider that? And uh, to make a long story short, um, I was very interested. My wife was not. Um, we moved back to Illinois, which is where we're from, and we we stayed there for about a year. And during that time, uh, the Lord was really just moving in my heart and keeping a love for Utah and the Mormon people burning while my wife's heart was, was being changed by the Lord. And so she came up to me one day. She goes, Jordan, I think we should really rethink Utah. And um, so we, we basically pursued raising support for the next year and then moved out in August of 2014. And that was the beginning of our ministry to Latter-day Saints with in Tri-Grace Ministry. Oh, great. Uh, So just to get a timeline straight in my head, so you said you were saved around what age? It was around nine or 10, something like that, right? Seven. Yeah, seven seven years old. Yep. Okay, so you're saved around seven and then you maybe maybe the nine or 10 or 11, that's when you kind of started to really focus on grow right understanding yep. the faith and then it was about 15 16 you said you were kind of really considering ministry right and then but you weren't quite sure where to go okay so it seems it seems like the lord's kind of progressively led you a little bit step by step growing in your faith and understanding and kind of growing you in your your understanding of your future vocation and what how the god, how god would use your talents and your skills to uh to further the kingdom so i just wanted to kind of point that out just because I, I know I'm, I'm a engineer guy. So I like timelines, you know, I sure. like lines and things in, in my head. So um, Paul or uh, Michael, do you have any questions uh, so yeah, far? I got a couple of follow-ups. Thanks. Thanks for that background, Jordan. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, you mentioned you had gone on some mission trips as a teenager. Um, is that kind of when your, your heart for evangelism was kind of when, it, when it, you kind of felt that kindled in your heart or is, are there any, are there any experiences from, from those mission trips that really kind of pushed you towards evangelism or, or when do you remember kind of being first aware of, of um, people around you who were non-Christians uh, or maybe um, part of, you know, uh, theological cults maybe that you, 
that you were aware of? Um, so those, just those kind of, kind of questions. Yeah. Um, so the best way to answer that is, yeah, I mean, the mission trips, um, we, we went to Kentucky uh, early on in my junior high years. And the first year we went, um, I was probably in seventh grade. And I just watched how people taught and um, what they taught and the need for uh, sharing the gospel effectively mattered to me. And I desired to be able to do that. And so that next year I began studying hard because I knew that there may be an opportunity for me to teach. And um, that opportunity did come uh, for me to just teach about the gospel, uh, the true gospel of Jesus. And um, that kind of launched me into, hey, this is important and this is this needs to be communicated effectively. Um, as far as evangelism goes, um, I think that was kind of birthed out of just um, a desire to see lost people saved. Um, and that, I think, was birthed out of uh, two things. One, in college, just really studying uh, the word and seeing where the apostles would go and how bold they were. And I was like, man, I really want to be bold like that. Um but I think the second thing was as I was a youth leader, um, I would, I would teach things and talk about things differently than maybe a youth pastor would. And was, I wouldn't say necessarily harsh, but it was very, very driven and very, very bold in what I was saying and realized that the audience that I was speaking to probably wasn't the best audience for the way in which I was built and started looking into what evangelism looked like, at least from a um, cold contact evangelism kind of kind of thinking, and felt like that was more of where I was being drawn into. And um, as I learned more about Tri Grace, as I learned about more about um, evangelism and witnessing, felt like that was more of my my uh, personality. Cool. Uh, you also mentioned that you had initially had an interest in aviation. Have you? gone on to do anything with that get your pilot's license or is there still dreams for that yeah no so my father-in-law he's a pilot my wife she's a pilot she got her license when she was 18 and i have always loved the idea of being able to fly an airplane um i started with ps4 or ps1 or whatever it was uh with the simulator games and i've always thought they were really really neat um and and really i had a desire to um even while at Letourneau, wanting to maybe join the Air Force as, a, as an officer uh, and fly like the B-1 bomber. But uh, we soon became pregnant and those dreams and those ideas kind of faded away. So if I were to do anything, I would like to pursue, if the Lord allows at whatever point, to get a, a private pilot's license, uh, I think it would be great. But that may, that's probably not in the realm of possibility at the moment. <laughs> Keep the dream alive. Yeah, for sure. Michael, do you have any uh, questions or anything you want to add? Um, I guess the only thing that, that comes to my mind is, you know, we, all the three of us, obviously we were raised in Mormonism. And so there's kind of this feeling for us growing up that it's just normal. And so I guess what I'm really intrigued by is kind of your first, more of your first impression on the Latter-day Saint people. Um, and what it, what it kind of looks like from a Christian perspective who 
didn't grow up in the church. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say this, and, and I don't think it's selectively LDS people in general. It's just people in general. Um, when you look at the words of Jesus found in Matthew 9, verse 36, um, that really was, I think, my heart. Uh, when I look at people, right? Uh, it says um, in Matthew 9, verse 36, um, he's, he's, just, he's, he's going throughout all the towns and villages, teaching and preaching the gospel. And when he sees the crowds, it says that he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I believe that's God's heart when we look at people who do not know God, who do not know him. And it's this compassion of, I love you and I want to see you know the God that I know and love the God that I know. Um, so I would say that is in general for, for all people. That's my desire. But specifically for, for Mormons, um, when I first met um, and got re- into a really deep conversation with uh, a Mormon, it was more just, I want to know what you believe. I looked at them as, a, as an individual person, not just um, someone that I get to have a gospel conversation with and, and, and uh, they're going to get saved. It, it was, I want to get to know and invest in you, see where you come from, see what you believe and why you believe that, and just genuinely want to talk about it. And then in hopes that that would produce a gospel-centered conversation. And at first, I didn't know how to guide that. I didn't know how to channel that very well. It, it was just very raw. And um, honestly, the Lord was the one moving in, in that direction or in that conversation. And, um, you know, I was, I was very curious as to what Mormons believed. Um, but also was very heartbroken as I began to listen and hear what Mormons believed and why they believed it. Because I knew that I had a reliable, credible, historical faith based in the person of Jesus Christ that was given to, that's given to me as a gift, but, but it is founded in, in, in corroborated in, in truth. And um, that was something that I quickly realized that a lot of the Mormon people that I was talking to and Mormon friends that I had just did not have. And um, yeah, so that was kind of the very first encounter uh, with, with Mormons and kind of my, my heart behind um, that, that first initial conversation or meeting. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's so important. You know, one of the things that we see a lot of, and this is on the forums where we where we debate Latter-day Saints a lot is, is they'll come out saying, well, you know, you guys don't don't love us. Mm-hmm. You know, you why do you hate us so much? And, and it's probably more of a online discussion problem. You know, I think it's probably a lot easier in person to show them that you do care about them. Um, but I guess if I had a follow up, it would just be what would you say is is the key to to establishing that? for them right away that you, that you really do love them as somebody who's witnessing to them. Yeah. I, I would, I would say um, helping them understand your position as a, as an individual um, going to them and, and explaining, listen, just like you, I was a child of wrath. Just like you, I was condemned. Just like you, I am a sinner. I am not special. I'm not better than you. Um, but I am changed not by my actions, but by, the work of Jesus. And 
I just want to share that with you. And would you be willing to let me share that with you? The, the life changing, um, the life changing power that's in God, that's in Jesus who, who raised a dead man to life. And I think if they can see that and, and see you just genuinely wanting to come alongside them, um, I think that's really important. And I think, a, I think a, maybe a better analogy or a better story to kind of help illustrate that was, was, is this. Um, we, we run a, we run a, a non-for-profit cafe in Ephraim, Utah, and we serve bagels. We serve pretzels. We serve bagels. We, I mean, we serve coffee drinks. We serve smoothies. I mean, anything you can think of. And it's kind of like, you know, your, your small town bar <laughs> in so many words. I mean, people come and they sit at the bar and they order a drink or they order some food and they just, they pour their hearts out to you and they pour out their life to you. And there was one guy in particular who uh, would come in in the fall semester with his girlfriend and um, there's a look, right? And I think a lot of the listeners that are listening to this or listening to your show will know what I'm talking about. There's a look that a lot of Mormons have. They're clean cut. They're good looking, both guy and girl. Um, they're ready. I mean, they come off their mission. They're looking to get married. They're looking to start a family, that kind of thing pretty quick. And life's good. And this couple came coming in and um, they would order hot chocolates. They would order smoothies. They would order anything and everything but tea and coffee. And they did that for a whole semester and they were very closed off. And I didn't push the envelope with them. You know, I wanted to get to know them. I mean, I knew their names, but I really didn't have a really engaging conversation with them until the next semester. And it really wasn't them. It was him. And the next semester after Christmas break, this guy comes in and he's not dressed like he used to be. And there's not a girl on his side. And I can tell something's wrong. And he comes in and he's looking at our cafe board, right? And, and our cafe board or menu has a section that says, coffee and not coffee. You know, we, we want to make that very uh, distinct, you know, so there's no confusion for anyone who does not drink coffee for either religious purposes or just personal preference. And the whole time, you know, he had been ordering smoothies or hot chocolates or whatever. And I, I, I was talking to him and I said, hey, how's it going? And he's kind of him and hawing. And I'm looking at his eyes and he's looking at our menu board. And he's looking at our not coffee side. And then I watched his eyes switch to the coffee side. And to me, that's a tall tale sign that something's going on in his heart. As weird as that may sound, that was a tall tale sign of, oh, something's going on. And he looks at me, he goes, what's a caramel macchiato? And I'm like, you mean a macchiato? He goes, yeah. I said, that's one of the sweetest drinks that we offer. Is that what you would like? And he goes, sure. And I said, he goes, give me a large. I've, I've, never, I've never had a drink like that. And I'm like, Oh, you want a large? Okay. And I said, you know what? Why don't, being that this is your very first coffee drink, why don't I just buy it for you? He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So I made it for him. And, and I, as I'm making it, you know, he's telling me about his Christmas break and how horrible it was. Um, and to kind of make a long story short, um, he had a faith crisis. And what kind of started that was his girlfriend dumped him, essentially. And um, he started doing a lot of research, looking into what he believed and why he believed it. And um, honestly came away wanting, came away unsure. And I, I handed him the drink. And as he was explaining that, he just kind of broke down and was just like defeated. And I, and I grabbed his wrist 
And I looked at him. I said, listen, I can't tell you that I've been where you are because I've never been a Mormon. But I can tell you, I know someone who knows where you've been and knows what you're going through. And I can introduce you to him. Would you allow me to do that? And I'll, I'll walk with you through your pain. I'll walk with you through your questions. I'll walk with you through your doubts. And to the best of my ability, I will answer those. And if I can't, I'll find an answer or I'll find someone who can't answer it. And being open and honest with that individual, that person who um, is in pain, who has questions um, and, and saying, I don't maybe have all the answers, but there are answers. Let me, let me do life with you. Um, I think is just so vitally important. They're not a project. You're not going to win them in, in just one conversation. Is it possible? Sure. Anything's possible with God. Um, but in those types of scenarios, if you have a close relationship with someone who is LDS, agnostic, atheist, Muslim, um, Jewish, and they've got questions, let them ask questions. Be willing to walk with them through their pain. I mean, guys, everyone has pain. Everyone has problems. Everyone is a sinner. We live in a fallen world. And to, to give a, a perception that your life is just dandy because you're a Christian, that's a lie. That's a flat-out lie. Now, your life is dandy in the sense that you know Christ and you know the, the end and in, in, in who you are in Christ, but that doesn't make your life easy. That doesn't make your life simple, and that doesn't make your life pain-free. And so to be genuine with your life with someone else, I think is um, really important, especially in what, what I would call a relational evangelistic opportunity. And I, I love that so much. Thanks for, for sharing. And I think especially with the Latter-day Saint culture, um, I've, I've had this even after leaving where there's, there's faithful members and, and when there's something bothering them, they come and they talk, they want to talk to me about it because they can't talk to the people in their circle because they can't have those genuine um, conversations because you have to have this, you know, facade of, of being like your life is dandy all the time when you're in the church. So um, I'm sure that there's a, just a thirst for that kind of relationship. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say this to any of your listeners who may be LDS listening to this. If you have any questions, please, please, please ask your questions. Please let Paul, let Michael, let, let Matt know what your doubts are. And these guys, they can walk with you. They've been there. I haven't. They have, a, they, have a, they have ability to walk with you in a unique way that I can't as a born-again Christian who's never been Mormon. I understand Mormonism, and I can talk Mormonism, but that doesn't mean that I, I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. But I love you. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that makes any sense, but, but yeah, you're not alone, and you are cared for, and you are immensely loved. Um, despite where you're at and despite who you are, right? There's a saying that, that God loves you where you are, right? Or God loves you for who you are, something like that. And I actually disagree with that. I don't think God loves you for who you are or where you are. I think God loves you despite of who you are and he changes you. And so, you know, we are a hot mess. All of us are a hot mess because of Adam and Eve, right? But God being rich in mercy he pours out his love on us. And folks, 
that's something that you need to grab onto and understand that's not a love that you can earn. That's a love that you can and should accept. Oh, that's great. I've, I've just been soaking all this up, all of our conversation up. I'm really, I really, I really am thankful. I kind of reiterating what, what Michael said is that I really appreciate your, your sincerity, your, your openness to witness to Latter-day Saints out of a, a place of love and concern for them and not out of a place of, you know, of contention or trying to win arguments or something like that. And I think that's, I think that's where we need to come from. There's so many people that want that they have a lot of head knowledge about um, LES theology or history. And I think maybe they have good intentions, but like you said, I think if, if you build that foundation or that relationship on love, or, or if you have that, that desire to bring them to Christ through love, that's, that's the most important thing. And I think we lose track of that easily. I think we lose sight of that because of our pride or because of just our sinful nature, but it's, it happens so easily that we kind of need to remember why we were saved. You know, there's nothing in us, like you said, there's nothing in us that God saw that said, Hey, he deserves right. He deserves salvation. He deserves freedom. He saw us. And despite all of our sins and our sinful nature, he saved us. So I really, I really thank you for kind of your, your approach to evangelism, your approach to talking to Mormons and, um, and it, ultimately, it's all to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, I want to end with one verse, and then you know you can ask another question. But sure. one verse that I keep in, in the forefront of my mind, because I've got a personality that can be and often is at times uh, abrasive, and I've got to really check that at the door um, more often than I would like to admit. Um, but one verse that I really keep in mind as I'm – as I'm witnessing and thinking through is, is second Timothy chapter two verses 24 through um, 26, which says the Lord's bond servant or slave really is what the way I think it should be translated. The Lord's slave must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all able to teach patient when wronged with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. And then it says, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been, led, having, having been held captive by him to do his will. And there I think, as, as a Lord's slave, right, as, as a Christian, to be quarrelsome for the sake of being quarrelsome over doctrine isn't beneficial. It isn't good. It's not leading anywhere. Yeah, you might prove some something or someone or a, a thought wrong, but does that lead them to the gospel? You know, we're called as Christians to be seed planters. We're to plant seeds of, of truth, but not just truth, but seeds of doubt as well. Planting seeds of doubt and seeds of truth so that when someone sees, oh yeah, there is something wrong with what I believe, they actually go somewhere. And guess what, folks? It's not you that saves them. It's God. It's God taking what you have shared with them and growing that in their hearts and in their minds in his timing. I'm going to say that again. In his timing. One more time. In his timing. That could be a year. That could be 10 years. But the Lord is faithful to accomplish all that he wills. And he will accomplish that. And you may be in... in a, a part of that. But, but listen, folks, being quarrelsome isn't good. It's good to be able to talk about a, a particular part of Mormonism, like the Book of Mormon or, um, you know, the Bible or, uh, you know, other different doctrines, you know, salvation 
through works or salvation through a repentance process or being baptized or baptized for the dead. It's, it's good to understand that stuff, but that should never be where our conversation hangs out. Our conversation should move very quickly from that conversation and connect it to the gospel. And that is where the conversation and our hearts and our love for the people that we are talking with, that's where that should hang out. If, if it's flip-flopped, you might be doing more damage than good, honestly. Man, that's, that's good advice. And it's kind of a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a good reminder to those who want to jump into the field of apologetics or, or evangelism to Latter-day Saints or anyone that there is kind of a responsibility that we have to honor the Lord. And scripture does give, I think Colossians 3 also gives a lot of directions as to how we should treat one another and how Christians should act towards one another uh, in addition to 2 Timothy. So yeah, that's, I think that's really important because it's not just the message that we preach with our, with our mouth or with our words, but it's the message we preach with who we are. And I, that's something I definitely need to work on is being more loving and kind and really trying to reach out to the person and connect with them. Um, so to, this is kind of just a continuation of what we've been talking about. But um, so we've talked about some barriers that come up when you're trying to reach out to a Latter-day Saint, you're trying to share Christ with them. Um, so, in addition to some of the barriers we've talked about, um, like, for example, you had mentioned that you didn't have a similar background in terms of being a Latter-day Saint. So there's kind of that barrier there in terms of personal history that might be kind of difficult to, to broach. But are there any other kind of major barriers that you see when you're talking to Latter-day Saints? You'd kind of talked about doctrine being significantly different between Christians and Latter-day Saints. So could you talk about some of the major barriers that you encounter when trying to reach out to Latter-day Saints and kind of how you overcome them yeah. or, or leave it to the spirit to overcome them maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm very sensitive. I, I, I watch uh, a lot of people that come by. In fact, I was in, <laughs> I was in Provo last night doing street evangelism with our, with our assistant staff and uh, our intern at Tri-Grace. And um, there, I mean, I had three really good conversations with four people um, and Really, it's it's setting your mind right before you go in, right? It's setting your mind right and saying, okay, I'm not going to be quarrelsome. I'm going to, I want to glorify the Lord. I want to make sure that I share the gospel, not just, not just content. And I think that's part of the preparation and breaking down those barriers is praying, is praying before the interaction happens because there's barriers in your mind. There's barriers in your heart of, man, I want to be right, or man, I want to win the argument. And man, that's, that's, a, that's a fleshly desire. And honestly, that's something I've got to beat down um, and ask the Lord to beat down inside of me. Um, so I think that would be number one. Number two, be sensitive to the people that are walking by, right? Um, I do believe the Lord gives us a impression, if you will, of who we are to talk to. Uh, I I don't talk to everybody that I see on the street. I hand out tracks. I, I, you know, I try to flag them down. Hey, you want to have a con-? No, or, you know, get ignored or, you know, buzz off or, you know, not today or hey, I'm good or, you know, get a life, get a job. You know, I, I've, I've had all of that, right? Um, but then there are those people who walk by and you, the, the Lord just puts an impression on your heart saying, go talk to them. And, there have been times where the Lord has said, go, you know, kind of go talk to them and I don't do it. And I am just convicted to the core 
Uh, and early on that happened a lot because I was too scared. I was too nervous. I was like, man, what if I mess up? Uh, and I remember at one point I said, okay, Lord, I'm not, I'm never going to do that again. If you call me to go talk to someone, I'm going to go do it. And so every opportunity that, that I get uh, and feel directed by the Lord to talk to that person, I go talk to them. Right. And um, part of that barrier is how do you approach them? Do you approach them? And uh, are you, are you, welcoming or are you kind of cold are you joyful or are you scared <laughs> you know it, 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 and people can tell i mean people are not dumb people can tell you know where you're at and, and that's also to say this um it's okay to be nervous it's good to be nervous uh, there's nothing wrong with being nervous i still get nervous but are you allowing the fear of talking to someone overruling you or are you letting the spirit overrule your fear, right? I think that's a, it's a big thing when it comes to evangelism, especially street evangelism. And, and hear me out on this. Not everyone is called to do that. And that's okay. If that's not you, don't feel bad. Don't be like, oh man, I, I mean, that's horrible. If, if you have a desire to do that, then great, you know, practice it. And guess what? You're going to make mistakes, but that's part of this. You know, the Lord is faithful and that's the thing to keep in mind in all of this. The Lord is faithful. Um, but that is also another barrier that, that I think a lot of people need to keep in mind is when you approach someone, be open, be welcoming, um, be kind. Um, don't be like, hey, are you Mormon? You LDS? I mean, that's just setting the wrong tone. But coming up to someone and, you know, I've, you know this is how I hand out tracks. I have a track and say, hey, may I, may I give you this, please? I'm asking a question, right? And it's not here you go, or take the track, or, hey, I've got something for you. Um, and then often I'm asked, well, is this anti-Mormon? And I say, no, it's, it's not anti-Mormon. I love Mormons. I'm not anti-Mormon. I love Mormons. I just don't agree with the doctrine. But this is, this is not hating on Mormons at all. This is all about Jesus. This is all about the Bible. You read that, right? You read the Bible. You love Jesus, right? And they, Well, yeah. I'm like, well, then you should, you should take this. You should read it. You should consider it. And if you're willing to engage me in a conversation, I would love to have a conversation with you. And nine times out of 10, they'll take it. And every once in a while, they'll stop and they'll have the conversation and say, okay, let's talk. Uh, and I had that happen last night, right? Where <clears throat> I had these, these two girls walking down the street or the sidewalk and I, I handed them a track. And um, the title of the track was, um, is Mormon, are Mormons Christians or is Mormonism Christian? Uh, and you can find that at godlovesmormons.com. Again, godlovesmormons.com. Uh, and I handed her that track and she looked at it and she goes, okay, so are Mormons Christian? And it wasn't mean. She didn't ask the question in a mean way. It was genuine curiosity. And I just smiled at her and I said, um, I don't believe that they are, but would you like to have that conversation? And I left it in her in her, I guess, in her boat, if you will, in her, court, in, her, in her court to acknowledge and say yes or no. And I think that helps uh, a Mormon because they've got this, they've got a view of that they have free agency and that is allowing them in their mind to use that free agency to say yes or no. And if they say yes, great, let's talk about it. And you start going into the next point of, of barrier, which is defining terms. Defining terms is huge. So when she says, is Mormonism, is Mormonism Christian? 
in her, are Mormons Christians? And I, I say no, and she says yes. Obviously, there's a difference, but what is the difference? And that's where this conversation, or that's where the conversation can get sticky, and you can totally miss the person you're talking to, and, and, and they can totally miss you as well. And so that's where just getting on the same page with terms matters. So I, I again, I started with her and I said, okay, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about God for a minute. You believe in God? Yep, I believe in God. Who is God to you? God is Heavenly Father, okay? Uh, who is God to you? Well, God is, is, yes, he is the Father, but he's Jesus and he's the Holy Spirit. Oh, so you believe in the Trinity? Yes, I believe in the Trinity. Well, I don't. Okay, you don't. What, well, what do you believe? Again, I'm asking open-ended questions, and I'm not pushing in a direction that she doesn't want to go. She's wanting to go there because she's initiated that kind of question, right? I'm not, I'm not starting with this conversation of, you know, well, who is, who is God, right? And, and I define some terms, she defines some terms, and then I ask her, well, what about polygamy? Or what about X, Y, and Z? I, I, you don't just jump ship. You don't just jump topic. You stick with the topic at hand. And so the, the hard thing is this, if you don't understand and you don't know what you believe and how to effectively communicate that, you need to study. You should be able to know what you believe and why you believe it and then explain that. Now, you might get nervous, you might fumble, that's okay. But if it's, I believe in God, but I don't know how to explain why I believe in God, I think that's a problem right? You should be able to define your terms effectively so that the other person that you're in conversation with knows what you're talking about. They may not agree with you, but they have an understanding of what you're talking about. And the same is true for the Mormon you're talking to. So uh, I was talking to this, again, this young, this young woman, um, I won't use her name, but I asked her, I said, would you please define your term when you use the word um, heavenly father? Or when you use the term Jesus Christ, who are you referring to? And so she referred to Jesus Christ as her, you know, elder brother or um, her savior or whatever. Well, what do you mean by savior? What is he saving you from, right? And then her friend that was right next to her, she had a different definition, right? And so that's the other aspect to this is you may have a definition um, that comes from the Bible that matches other Christians' definitions of who Jesus is and who God is. And you may all agree on that. But when it comes to Mormonism and other religions, mind you, but again, specifically Mormonism, there may be different definitions on the same person or topic based on the individual. And you have to let that play out. You can't look at the Mormon you're talking to and say, well, you believe this, right? Because that's what your church teaches. You can't, you can't do that. You have to let the person, the individual, tell you what they believe and what they don't believe. And you can have another person right next to them say, well, I believe this, and it'd be completely different from what the other person says. And you have to be able to, to look at that and just say, okay, you may not be able to hit on all cylinders, but at least understanding that there are two definitions going on within, within the same religion, um, that is okay to acknowledge and not try to force one way or another, right? Someone may be closer in understanding the true Jesus of the Bible than another person. And you don't want to take them away from that understanding if God has brought them to that point, if that makes any sense. So um, there can be a lot of barriers. But again, 
um, defining the terms, you yourself defining the terms, and then having the person you're talking to define the terms out of respect, just even for the conversation. They may not respect you. They may not respect what you believe, but if they're going to engage you in the conversation, they should at least respect the conversation enough to define their, your ter- their terms so that the conversation can be an effective one. And if they're unwilling to define their terms or they're kind of wishy-washy, it's okay to not have the conversation. It's okay, it's okay to say, you know, let's maybe try to have a conversation another time. Or this conversation may be better had across, you know, email or whatever. Can I, can I get your contact information? That way they can see you are defining your terms and that way you can see they're defining their terms because they cannot be wishy-washy or as wishy-washy in a written format. It's very hard to do. Um, so again, if, if you are a better writer than you are a speaker, that may be one type or one barrier that you can overcome and say, hey, I'm not really good at talking, but I want to gauge in evangelism. I'm a better writer than a speaker. Can I just get your contact information and send you an email? And nine times out of 10, that works. That works. That's great. Um, yeah, we when we talked in our conversation before um, before our interview, you gave me a lot of nuggets to of truth to to think about because so often we kind of go the route that you were saying how you know like your te- your church teaches this you know versus what the Bible teaches, and I think that can be helpful in some circumstances, but it's it's difficult almost to talk to a Latter Day Saint who's not quite sure what they believe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where they're kind of like, you'll say something and they'll say, well, that makes sense to me. But then you might say something else and then they'll say that makes sense to me, but you know, they're kind of contradictory. So how do you talk to a Latter-day Saint who isn't really even quite sure what they believe, or maybe they came out of a Christian background and converted to the Latter-day Saint uh, yeah. church and, you know, and they don't quite know a whole lot about Latter-day Saint theology. So, you know, how, how do you kind of deal with those difficult situations? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, when dealing with someone who may not know what they believe, uh, there, there's two approaches. One, you teach Mormonism to them. And when you teach Mormonism to them, oftentimes they freak out because they're like, oh, I don't believe that at all. Um, most Mormons who are not in Utah that I've met, and I, so I'm not going to be definitive in what I'm going to say here, but most Mormons that I've met who, do, who are not in Utah do not understand the fact that they are doing all they're doing within the Mormon church to become gods. Um, very few people that I've met outside of Utah who are Mormons believe that. So when I'm in a conversation with a Mormon who's not from Utah and say, so you're going to become a God someday. And they look at me with a bizarre look. I immediately ask them, where are you from? And if they're not from Utah, then I leave it alone. I don't want to implant that thought in their mind. And I don't want them that to distract them from the truth. So I leave that one alone. I don't, I don't, that's something I don't need to teach them right then and there unless they want to come back to have that conversation and say, well, where did you read that? I, I don't believe that, but where did you read that? And I can show them. Uh, the other approach is this, affirm that it's okay to not understand and know what you believe. It's okay. I'm, I don't expect you to know everything. I don't know everything, but we can learn together. Would you be open to that? Yeah, sure. And then you just take them through truth. You don't need to go through and say, well, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? They don't know. So to, to, to try to hammer that out, uh, really, you've got a blank slate, in my opinion. Now, they may be lying. They may not. I mean, and I'm not saying that Mormons do that all the time. I'm not, I don't want to cast a bad light. Please don't, please don't think I think that about all Mormons. Um, 
But most Mormons that have, have said, you know, that's a good, I, I don't know uh, what I believe. Um, you know, that's okay to say, you know what? That's an okay place to be right now. Can I share with you what I believe? And nine times out of 10, they're open to that. Um, I had a conversation with a, with a gentleman about two, three weeks ago in our cafe who was about ready to go on a mission. That's what he claimed. And he was adopted into a Mormon family. And um, I think he was going to go off to Italy, if I remember right. I said, hey, in preparation for your mission, I want you to represent Jesus well. So what is one topic that you love to talk about? And he said, well, the atonement. I love talking about the atonement and the gospel. I said, great. What's the atonement and what's the gospel? And he sat there and he thought about it. He thought about it for about four minutes. And I didn't interject. I just let him stew. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm not prepared for my mission. I can't explain that. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? That's okay. But I, I want to I share with you how I would look at that. Would you mind if I did that? And he's like, no, yeah, I'd love that. So I began to explain what the gospel was and what the atonement was from a biblical worldview. And I showed him in the Bible and I showed him the references and I marked them. And, you know, I wrote little notes by those little verses. And I told him, by the way, it's okay to write in the Bible, um, <laughs> make notes. And um, after I got done, he said, he said, thank you for that. I think you've really helped prepare me to think about what it means to go on a mission and represent Jesus well. I said, well, that's good. I'm glad that that is, that is the case. I said, you need to remember something. You need to follow Jesus, not man. And if you going on this mission is following Jesus, I'm going to trust Jesus that he's going to carry you through and that he, as you study that you'll see who Jesus is. For, uh, you'll see Jesus for who he really is. Um, but I can tell you something right now. The Jesus that you read about in the Bible is not the same as the Jesus of Mormonism. And he looked at me with just kind of a confused look. And he goes, okay, I'll, I'll study more and uh, I'll let him go. But again, I, I, I didn't stop him and say, man, you shouldn't go on your mission. Uh, I didn't stop him and say, man, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. How, why, how dare you? No, I, I used it in, in, in an affirming way and saying, hey, let's get, prepared, let's get you prepared for your mission. Because here's the thing, folks. God can and has and does work through Mormon missionaries who actually become Christians on their mission. And it's amazing to see that. And so I'm not about ready to dictate what this guy's going to do or not do. I'm not going to tell him what he should or shouldn't do necessarily if, if he's being led that way, maybe by the flesh, maybe by the church, but maybe God's leading him in that way to bring him to himself. I don't know. I'm not going to take that position, but what the position I will take is this. I want him to know the gospel, and I want him to know Jesus. And if he's going to claim to represent Jesus well, I want him to hear the truth, and maybe that truth will set him free. It's not my job to stand in his way. It's my job to plant seeds in his life. Yeah, that's great. So you kind of you, you work off of what, what kind of commonality you either have between you or if he shows interest in a particular topic, you kind of, you're basically trying to find something to connect to. It sounds like, yeah, yeah make a absolutely. connection. Yep. So, so I kind of asked one situation. Let me, let me ask another one that, that a lot of Christians might run into. Um, I have a friend actually, she's a former Latter-day Saint and she's been talking to missionaries online. And a lot of what's happening is that it's not that they don't know what they believe, but the lines are trying to be blurred a little bit. You know, sure. like the missionaries would say, well, we're just another Christian denomination. You know, we're, we're all Christians together. 
or maybe you'll talk to a Latter-day Saint who will understand and see the differences between what you're saying or what a Christian is saying to them and what they believe. And they'll say, well, you know, if, if it's whether, whether we're right about heavenly father or whether God is a Trinity, you know, it really doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter if you go one way or the other, you know, God will make it all right in the end. So in situations like that, where they know what they believe, but they don't really see the point of why they would need to become, you know, why they would need to learn something different or trust in the Christ of the Bible. How would you kind of deal with those situations? Um, understanding who God is from him, his perspective matters. Uh, we don't get to determine who God is or isn't. Uh, if we do, if we're creating a God in our image and in our likeness and in our desire, then it's an idol, it's an image, and it's, it's not God. We're not talking about the same God. So in that regard, I, don't, I would say to a Mormon who knows what they believe and they explain it, but then they say, well, it really doesn't matter, then the response is, well, then you really don't care about your God. You really don't care about the... Uh, person and the nature of the God that you believe in. So why should I trust what you have to say? Let me, let me show you the God that I believe in. Let me show you the God that I trust. And this is who he is. This is who he says he is. And I will not move from that. So if your God that you're praying to or talking to doesn't match the God of the Bible who says, I am that I am. I'm the self-existent one. Um, before me, there is no God, nor, nor are there any gods after me. I am the only I'm the only God. I, I do not share my glory with anyone or anything. Um, I am the first. I am the last. I'm the beginning, the end. Um, I am the all creator God. If your, God's not the, if your God isn't that, your God is not the same as my God. Your God may exist in your mind, and I believe that it does. And I do believe that you love your God. But to say that it's the same God as our God, no, that's not. Or uh, you believe in a God that was a created man. God says he's not created. You believe in, in really a plurality of gods. You, you, the Trinity is, is not uh, oh, one being. It's not, it's not one God. It's, it's three individuals um, that become gods. They, they don't always exist being gods. And so walking through uh, those theological um, topics uh, I think is, is really important with a Mormon who claims that they know what they're talking about, but says it doesn't matter. You can, in that regard, be a little bit more bold and a little bit more direct in your approach. And you need to hold their, you need to make them own their theology. And if they're unwilling to hold their theology um, or own their theology, if they're unwilling to own their theology within the conversation, then they're really not respecting the conversation. You need to make them own it and see that there's a difference. And that's what this girl did last night. You know, well, we believe the same God. We believe the same God. Okay, let's break this down. So I broke it down for her and I said, okay, is this and this the same? No. Is this and this the same? No. So we don't believe the same God, do we? She goes, no. I said, okay. Now let's keep moving forward then. Now that we've established that, I'm not going to try to convince you to believe in, in the God that I believe in, but I can at least show you the God I believe in and the God that you believe in are totally 100% opposite. That's great. I loved how you were talking about how everything is situational. There's not like a cookie cutter approach to witnessing. And um, so Paul, Michael and I, we were all Latter-day Saint missionaries. And so 
I don't know about you guys, but um, when I was listening to Jordan talk, it reminded me a lot of my mission because we did a ton of street contacting and it, we tried to do the same thing, you know, like get a connection with people. And it was when I was just going through the motions of trying to talk to them, it didn't get anywhere, but it was when I tried to make, tried to make a bridge to talk to them that it actually usually went somewhere. Um, so one thing I wanted to bring up too, in kind of conjunction with, with uh, Paul or Michael, did you want to add or anything? I know I've been, I've been kind of uh, talking a lot, so go ahead. Yeah, I was just uh, wanted to comment on one of the things that, that you were just saying, um, and that is, you know, just kind of when the, those lines are being blurred, one of the things that I've, that I've done recently that's been effective is, you know, because I'll, I'll see Latter-day Saints say like, oh, I'm saved by, by grace, totally and, and fully by grace, like Jesus is all I need. But it's like, I know that that's not really what LDS doctrine teaches. And so when they start blurring the lines like that, then I will, it's a double-edged sword. And I'll usually say, I guess the restoration's not not necessary then. And usually they'll backtrack at that point and, and then they will start to show those differences a little bit more. Um, you know, because yeah. they, they want the, the distinction. At the end of the day, they want the distinction too. Um, because for the restoration to be a valid uh, about a valid thing, there has to be that distinction. So, you know, I think that's something to keep in mind that they want that to be there. Yeah, I would I would also add to this, um, Michael. Is you know when you said, well, I, I I guess the restoration doesn't matter. Is that is that what you said? Or it's not necessary. Or it's not necessary. It, you know, you could almost reword that and phrase it into a question. Say, well, if if that's true, then why does the restoration matter? And let them think through that question because when when you have a thought that you know you have to answer or a question that you have to answer and you've got to think through it that it's frozen uh-oh it wasn't me you might have got disconnected matthew you still there i'm here yep okay oh, he was going somewhere really good too yeah. really good oh. sorry there we're back. That's, we're back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> that'll, that'll be our commercial break. We'll we'll have a Dr Pepper commercial in there. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Where where I live in E from the internet's pretty spotty. So um, anyway, sorry about that. Um, but like I was going to say, I wasn't in that conversation, so I don't I don't know. Maybe that was more appropriate to just make it a statement rather than a question. But again, there are, there are multiple ways to go around that. Yeah, I do I do agree with you, and I think that that asking questions is typically better than making statements when it comes to, to Latter-day Saints. Cause it kind of gives more of a benefit of the doubt instead of, you know, just kind of using force on them and saying, this is what you believe or what you should believe. I think so. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Hey, I, I just wanted to kind of touch on some things, some themes that you've, you've kind of brought up at various points in the conversation that Jordan, um, so you know, you've you've mentioned that that we're all kind of a hot mess because of Adam and Eve, and you know you you talked about um, you know conversations with Latter Day Saints and kind of starting off um, by kind of building common ground and saying, look, you know, I I was once like you, I was once a sinner, I was once a child of wrath, um, and when I hear those things and I think about it, you know, I, I think you know a lot of times Latter Day Saints they they don't view themselves. Uh, as children of wrath, they don't view themselves even really as sinners, right? Um, I think a lot of times, and it it kind of goes back to 
that this idea of like the fall versus like a fortunate fall. Um, you know, what one Mormon writer that I'm familiar with, uh, Eugene England said, you know, Mormons don't look upon Adam as a, as a depraved, willful sinner caught up in a pride of his own being and a desire to know which led him to rebel against God, but rather Mormons see him as a great courageous figure who chose a difficult path to his and all men's progression, the way of estrangement and reconciliation of sin and resultant openness to redeeming love. And, you know, kind of that view of, of, of Adam as a courageous, uh, courageous character. Um, I think, I think Mormons kind of view themselves in that way as well. Mm. Right. And, and they tend to think, yeah, we, we make mistakes. Um, and the, the, the kind of the weight of the mistakes kind of rolls off their, off their shoulders pretty easily. Um, except when it comes to maybe the cultural pressure, they maybe feel that more strongly than the, than the sense of being a sinner. Do you, do you find that in your conversations with Latter-day Saints and how do you, how do you broach that subject um, and get to the heart of the gospel? Yeah. Uh, so in, in view of, um, you know, I guess one of, one of, there's kind of two questions there uh, and I'll try to answer them in that way. And the first is, you know, the view of Adam and Eve fell in the right direction. Right. Um, and that, that we, we try, we're all God's children. We're, we're good for the most part, that kind of thing. Um, I asked them to consider again, the words of the, of, of Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, where he talks about the heart of man and he goes through and he goes through step by step almost, you know, it, the heart of man is evil. It's, it's, it's envious. It's full of hatred, murder, and it just goes on and on and on. And then I asked them, you know, do you believe Jesus is real? Do you believe that Jesus is true? And I said, yeah. I said, then why don't you consider his words? This all came from the fall of Adam. How is that a good thing? And they pause. And they say, a lot of times they say, I don't know, but I know what I've been taught. And this is what I've been taught. I say, okay, I understand that's what you've been taught, but who's the most important person who ever lived? And most of the time they'll say, Jesus. Well, if Jesus is the most important person who ever lived, whose words are the most important words ever spoken? Jesus. Okay, so I would invite you then to be taught by Jesus. I know that you've been taught by your bishop and maybe your mom and your dad and maybe someone else that you're close to, but if Jesus is more important than your mom and your dad and your bishop, then you need to take Jesus's words more seriously. Because when you look at sin, when you look at Adam, when you look at what the Bible says about how all men die through Adam, that is not a good thing. Therefore, the fall of Adam and Eve, the rebellion of Adam and Eve isn't good. And we can see that in their reaction. Their reaction was immediately to cover up their shame with fig leaves. And God didn't accept their, um, their efforts to cover up their shame. Their righteous acts to cover up their shame, God didn't accept that. And his grace and his love and his kindness and in his mercy, he provided animal skins. He performed the very first sacrifice for their sins. And so to say that Adam and Eve fell in the right direction, the only way to, to substantiate that and to, to say, yeah, that, that's true or that's the, the proper perspective would be to say that God allowed them to cover up their shame or God said, you know, hey, you can still live in the Garden of Eden. But he didn't. He did not do that. And so when we look at that story, we have to reconcile all the actions, not only of man, but of God after the, the action of man. And that was separation. That was banishment. Um, so 
I don't know if that answers your kind of your first question as far as how do you deal with uh, a Mormon who views the fall in the right direction that they're not sinners, but that's one way. Going back to Jesus' words, it's not my opinion, it's not my feeling, it's Jesus' words. You have to deal with Jesus' words. You have to reconcile what you believe with Jesus' words. And if his words agree with what you believe, great. But if his words disagree with what you believe, you have a problem. You do, you, do, you have a problem. Um, as far as the other religious aspect of things go, you know, um, looking at it from the perspective of, of religion versus culture, is that kind of what you're asking there, Paul? Yeah, I, yeah. I think um, when I think back to when I was when I was a Latter Day Saint, um, that that view of the fortunate fall really kind of gives one a a view of sin that's not as weighty as it should be in my mind. Yeah. Um, and and that also goes to you know, how one views the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's kind of key to conversations with Latter-day Saints as well. Um, but I, what I, I think what I was getting at is they kind of, I, I have a sense that they kind of feel the cultural weight of sin rather than the, the weight of sin from the holiness of God. Yes. And just curious about how, how you interact with that. Do you, do you see that within your conversations with Latter-day Saints? Yeah, I think the the culture of the weight of sin or the, the the weight of sin because of culture rather than God convicting them, I think is is huge both in the drive and the aspirations of Mormons uh, in in attending church and being good. Um, <clears throat> I think that's what keeps them at bay morally, if you will. Um, <clears throat> I think if the culture wasn't there, I I don't know that there'd be very many Mormons at least within our area that would be doing, like be going to church or that actually believe what they say they believe. Um, the way I like to look at, at this, especially in conversation with Mormons is I'm not only dealing with a religion, I'm also dealing with a culture and the religion and the culture are so intertwined. They're almost a separate inseparable. Um, <clears throat> and the way I like to, to, to kind of explain this to Christians who are talking with Latter-day Saints and saying, you know, be careful in how you approach this would be, you know, I ask them, you know, have you ever served in the military or do you know someone who has? And generally someone in their family or they themselves have <clears throat> at one point or another served in the military. And then I ask them that, you know, well, you know, is there a lot of pride in that? Yeah. Is there a lot of celebration in that? Yeah. Um, you know, my granddad, his dad, my great-great-grandfather, they all fought in the war and they, they all fought for America, that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, you know, you ask the question, you, and you were taught all that and that was all, you know, that was taught as, as truth. Yeah, absolutely. My, my, you know, there are people who've died for this kind of thing. And I, I asked, you know, we'd ask the question, well, what if I could prove to you and show you that that all was a lie? That, that America really didn't exist or that the, the missions that your grandparents or your dad or even you went on was really for nothing. Um, that would be a huge culture shock. That would be crazy, right? That's crazy town. And that I would say is very similar here when we're talking to, to, to Mormons or Latter-day Saints about sin, about, about man, about, about God, is you're not only wrecking the worldview when it comes to their, their religion, you're also wrecking their culture and where they're from. And so you need to be very, 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 very careful. I'm not saying don't share truth. I'm not saying, you know, tiptoe around the truth, but you need to realize and be sensitive to the fact that this is an all encompassing um, 
thing. This, this religion dictates everything about your life. And to just rip the carpet out from underneath people isn't okay and it isn't loving, right? It, it, it is to say we walk with them and show them pieces of truth as God directs us. Um, and so, and kind of going back to the first question, you know, as far as, or maybe even the second question of, of um, you know, do they see their sin as a cultural construct of weightiness or do they see their, their sin as a, um, you know, as a conviction or uh, in comparison to the holiness of God, they may not be ready to see the vastness and the holiness of God. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I'm not saying avoid that. But what I am saying is taking baby steps to show them, you know, hey, this is what Jesus says about man. You are a sinner. Can you, can you wrap your mind around that? Yeah. Okay, great. So you've wrapped your mind around that. Now I want to bring you to the idea that God is holy. And what does that mean? Well, God being holy means that he's other. He's something set apart. He's something uniquely different. Well, what does that mean? And you, you build on that, right? You build on um, on, on truth, but, but also kind of baby steps. And there's like this, I don't know if you want to call it this, but like this hunger and thirst principle, if if they're hungry, they're going to they're gonna come to you and ask you more questions. And if they're thirsty, they're going to come and ask you more questions. But if they're not, and you keep feeding them or you keep pouring water, if you will, down their throats, they're not going to be able to swallow it all. They're not going to be able to, to ingest it all. You got to let them process what you're talking about. And so, um, yeah, you don't give, you don't give steak to a baby with no teeth. They'll die. I'm not saying that you cannot talk to them about the holiness of God. You should, but again, I think there are, there are unique ways and steps to do that with someone, specifically a Mormon who may have never heard the truth or never heard the gospel. Um, and, there, there are those who agree with me and there are those who disagree with me on what I just said, but that's kind of been my approach uh, when it comes to certain individuals. Not everyone, but, but I would say certain, most individuals. And I will say this, um, I know a gentleman here in our area who grew up Mormon and he had never met a true born-again Christian until he was 53 years old. 53 years old. He had never heard the gospel ever. Guys, there are people like that in our lives all around us. You don't have to come to Utah. There, I'm sure there are people, and again, it's hard for us to imagine as, as people who are in, in America say, oh, what, you've never heard the gospel? No, there are people who've never heard the gospel because it's never been explained effectively. That, that's, our, that's our position. That's our job to go and share the gospel. It's God's job to save. To use a Mormon phrase, you could say that in America, the field is white, all ready to harvest. Huh? Say that again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to wake Michael out of his slumber. No, I'm oh. just <laughs> no, I just said no. That's it's a common phrase that Mormons say: "Is the field is white, all ready to harvest?" Okay, yeah. Basically, the the um, mission field is here. There's people to find. There's people yeah. that need to hear. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I guess you can use that. Um, you know, there's another verse. It's, it's escaping my mind right now. But you know, the the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Well, that, that's true. I mean, it's. You know, if, if you feel called to share the gospel with individuals who you're in contact with um, and God's leading you in that, you need to honor him and do that. I agree. Michael, did you have something you wanted to, to say? I mean, I'm just kind of getting lost in everything 
that that you're saying i mean uh it's it's just all really really good stuff it's all resonating with me a lot and i think it's a really really good approach because i think all three of us have kind of come across you know born again christians uh on our on our missions that uh were a little bit more aggressive or you know and and i think you know i'm kind of wanting to to throw us off balance but weren't really willing to to be there for us if we started to to doubt our our religion and i like what you said a lot about you know having to wanting to be careful but i would just add to that uh just realize when when a mormon leaves what what happens to them because like you said the the culture is so intertwined that it's almost inseparable and so that means that when the Mormon leaves, they are going to have hardship. There's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be shunning. And so they need that new family to step into. And so I just got to make a shout out here to, to those Christians who stayed there for me um, and, and planted themselves in my life. You know, I don't know what I would have done without those guys. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up, Michael, because there's a, there's a girl who I just met two or three days ago in our cafe, who's from California. And she's, she's young. She's right out of high school. She's in college. I think she's like 17. And um, she came in and she sat down and I just started, we just started talking and I said, you know, what's your background? Where are you at? And she's like, well, uh, from California, used to be Mormon, but I'm a Christian. And okay. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, are you really a Christian or do you, I mean, Okay, let, let, let's 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 see where this actually comes from. And guys, she yeah, she's totally saved. She doesn't. She, she's been a Christian for three months, right? She doesn't know all the ins and outs, but man, she understands the gospel and she understands who she is, and that's just fantastic. It's very simple. It's a very childlike faith. And she said, "But I'm scared." And I said, "Okay, why?" And she said, "If I attend a Christian service, my parents will pull all the funding that they're giving me for school away." And I depend on them for my car. I depend on them for my food. I depend on them for everything. And yet I know where I'm at and whose I am. And I just don't know what to do. And again, it was one of those periods where it was like your heart's breaking and you want to empathize with them, but you can't because you've never been there. But in this case, in this case, I I, kind of have been there in the sense of I've counted the cost to be a missionary in Utah. And I led her to Luke 14, starting in verse 25, where Jesus talks about the cost of being a disciple. And he says, if you, if you don't hate your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your wife, your children, even your own life, and you don't pick up your cross and follow me, you're unworthy to be my disciple. And you know, then he uses two analogies to describe what counting the cost looks like. And I shared with her that verse in the context of God drawing my family out here. You know, we wanted to stay in Illinois and comfortable with our family. Our families are awesome, and we didn't want to leave that. But God was asking us, who do you love more, me or them? And, and, and really, God's, Jesus is taking the closest relationships, humanly speaking, that people can have and saying, your love for me, should, in comparison, should look like, in comparison to your love for your close relatives, should look like hate. You should love me more and follow me, desire me more. And, and that, was, that struck me so hard and so deep to the point where I realized when a Mormon leaves their faith, 
they're also leaving their culture. They're leaving their family. And I have to empathize with that. I have to, I have to mourn with them because that's a real mourning. But at the same time, I have to say it's worth it. It is so worth it. I so wish I could be near my family, but my wife and I have chosen to love and follow Jesus more. And honestly, I wouldn't trade the last six years here in Utah to go be with my family. And that's a hard thing for someone who's come, who's come out of Mormonism, who is a born again Christian, or maybe just again, coming out of Mormonism, not a Christian yet and seeing and realizing, Oh, my family just, my friends, my culture, they hate me for it. Is it worth it? And that's why we need to point them to Jesus and say, yeah, it absolutely is worth it. And uh, to love them through that. So if you would, if you think about it, um, I'll just say her name is L. Just pray for L. And um, she's got a tough road ahead of her. Yeah, I mean, uh, praise God, you know, I mean, it is, it is a tough road. And I guess that's one thing that me, Paul, and Matthew can all say coming from that experience, it does get better over time, and it is worth it. It's worth it a hundred times over. Um, amen. Yeah, amen. Amen. It's almost like a band-aid, you know, you just kind of rip it off. <laughs> and like when I when I was I don't I don't know if, yeah, when I was saved, I started to read, you know, I, I was like, you know, God, I don't know if you're a Trinity, I don't know what you are right now, but I'm gonna put my trust in Christ alone to save me. I'm not going to trust my ordinances, you know, my temple ordinances. I'm not going to trust anything. And I was still a mess, you know, theologically, I didn't really quite understand what was going on. But, uh, and that fear that you talked about, that fear of losing family, that fear of losing relationships, all of that, it, it, I, I was so afraid to, to, and I had never been out of the church. That's their whole context, their whole life. So to say, you've got to move out of that and go somewhere new is scary. And I tried, I tried to stay as like a Trinitarian Mormon, you know, I, I was like, maybe I can try and fit my, my beliefs into my Mormon life. And I just felt like God pulling, like tugging on my heart saying like, you, you can't stay Mormon. You're not, you're not Mormon. They don't believe the Trinity. What are you doing? You know? So it took a few months for, you know, for me to kind of, I guess, gain the courage or the understanding or the knowledge to know what God has done for me and realize I'm not Latter-day Saint anymore. You know, I'm in mm-hmm. the church. I go to church every week, but I'm not a Latter-day Saint. And that's really hard for them to really bridge that gap. Um, yeah. So thanks for sharing all that. It, it's been a great conversation so far. Um, do you have any other advice you would give to Christians when they're witnessing to Latter-day Saints? Any other advice than what you've already given? Or yeah, things, you might, um, things you might wish you could have known when you started your ministry, maybe, that uh, you wish you could tell your younger self? <laughs> um, God's the one who provides people. Um, you don't need to go chase people. Um, the Lord knows who he's calling, and he will put you in their path. You don't need to go chase down, knocking down every person that walks by your path and convince them of the gospel. God's in charge of that. Um, you're, if you if you do that, you're going to wear yourself out. <laughs> you're you're going to just and you're going to be frustrated because yeah, it, it, you're doing it in your own power and your own might, and that's not what God calls us to do. Trust that God is faithful and that God will bring people to you, and He will complete the work that He is starting or started in them. That I mean, keep your eyes focused on the Lord, not on the not not necessarily on the people. And as you do that, God will bring people in your life that He will call you to talk to, and be faithful with that. Um, the second thing is be available. Don't make your schedule so busy that you cannot be flexible 
for a gospel-centered conversation. If you are too busy, let me say this. Ministry can be very busy, and there are other jobs that are very, very busy. I get that. Busyness does not equal effectiveness. Busyness does not equal effectiveness. So if you're busy, 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 busy all the time, you're probably not very effective. But if you're effective and you are pointed in the right direction, you may not be all that busy. So keep that in mind as well. When you're, when you're looking at life, you're like, oh, I'm just too busy for that. Well, are you being effective? That's a question that I think a lot of us, me included, um, need to ask ourselves often. How busy am I? And is that busyness really effective? Um, and I would say this too. Um, trust the Lord will give you the words to speak. Um, you may not have memorized key passages of scripture. You may, you know, not know all there is to know about Mormonism. That's totally okay. God is in control and God knows what the other individual needs to hear. And so trust that. And then when that conversation ends and you're like, man, I should have said this, 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 and this. No, you shouldn't have because God didn't allow you to say that. You said everything that God wanted you to say and let God be the one to stir their hearts. And that's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> oh, that's great. That, that's, that's advice that I, I think even Michael and Paul probably agree. That's a good, good advice even for us, even having been Latter-day Saints and having witnessed to Latter-day Saints to, to always keep our perspective and not to get too busy and keep focused on Christ. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, Paul or Michael, do you want to add anything? I, I was just going to say, I think part of the problem that I have being an ex-Mormon is, you know, kind of having this idea of, you know, like, oh, I, I know the, the language, you know, I've got some kind of advantage and there can be that temptation to not trust God as much, you know, and think mm. that I've got some kind of, you know, secret weapon or something. And it's, it's just not true. You know, I've, I've kind of seen that over and over again, that I'm really powerless to bring somebody to the gospel. So, yeah, that's a good point. Paul, do you have anything to add? No, I, I just think, you know, Jordan's comments are spot on. I mean, um, there, there's times when I, when I think I force it, um, probably try to say more than I should. Um, and I think it's, it's good to remember to, um, keep in mind the other person, listen to, listen to them closely. What are the questions they're asking and what, and then consider why they're asking them. Um, and, and then, you know, when, when the conversation's done, you know, get on your knees and, and lift them up to the throne of grace and, and pray for them. So. I'll say one more thing um, in way of just encouraging the Christian who's in this conversation. Um, always ask if you can pray with them afterwards. Um, and the reason why I say that is because when I first moved out here, I was told um, Mormons cannot believe how Christians pray. Like it's so foreign to them. And it's like when Mormons pray, they're praying to kind of like, they are praying to, to Heavenly Father, but it's like they're praying and they're, they're hoping that it gets to his voicemail kind of thing. And I didn't believe that. I was like, yeah, yeah, right. You know, like, I don't think so. And, and the most wild thing happened. Um, the first year I was here, I was leading a Bible study and this, this Mormon girl who came in and she didn't look Mormon, but she was. And uh, we did this Bible study. She was listening. And I said, I'd like to close with prayer. Do you, does anyone have any prayer requests that 
you'd, you'd like me to pray for. And, and several people mentioned some stuff. So I said, okay, let's go before our, our great God in prayer and lift, lift you guys up. So I, I began to pray and I just, it was very deep, very heartfelt, very, um, very open to the Lord. And when I said, amen, I looked up and this girl was just sobbing. And I don't think I prayed for her. I mean, I don't think she mentioned a prayer request and she ran out of the room. I'm like, uh, what did I say? So I, I kind of followed her out. I said, Hey, you know, is everything okay? She's like, yeah. I said, well, what's wrong? She goes, nothing. I said, well, then why are you crying like that? She goes, that prayer was the most beautiful prayer I've ever heard in my life. She said, you are actually praying to a God that not only you know, but knows you. And I don't have that. And I don't know what to say. And I said, well, you don't need to say anything. Just remember the God that I prayed to is real and he loves you. And she said, okay. And, you know, wiped her tears and she left and I never saw her again. But just praying and allowing the person that you're speaking with to witness that and to see that, they may have never experienced someone actually praying to a God that not only you know, but that God knows you. Um, that's just that's just huge. Um, and one, one final thing, if, if you're in a conversation and you tell the person that you're talking with, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. And then you tell them that you're going to go find the answer and get back with them. Do it. Do not be the guy or girl who gets the information and gets the person's contact information and never contact them again. That does a lot of damage and credibility to the message that you're talking about. So if you're not going to contact them again, don't offer that. If you're going to contact them again, then offer that. But follow through with whatever you're going to agree with too. Yeah, that's great advice. Like you said, if you're trying to build a connection, you're trying to build trust. And the first conversation you have, you break that trust. You never know the next Christian that might come by. They might be one of those people that, you know, they say, oh, I'm not interested. I don't want to talk to you. When maybe they would have if we kept our commitments. That's super important. Um, yeah, Paul and Michael and I, we knew that as missionaries, as LDS missionaries, you know, if you didn't call someone back or, you know, you missed an appointment or something, that was, <laughs> you might as well just write them out of your book, out of your little missionary handbook, you know, or, uh, your planner. Uh, so one, one question I had that, um, that I wrote was that I thought would be interesting to talk about is, so as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, or I guess not as a pastor, as an evangelist director, as a missionary, uh, what scripture what passages of scripture give you comfort when you're struggling either with your calling with uh you know family life or you feel you feel uh you have difficulties or or temptations whatever it is what kind of passages of scripture give you comfort or help you in those times yeah um i think passages um that talk about you know trusting the lord not trusting your heart is um huge um, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding um, is huge. There's There's been so many times where I have planned something out, like it's supposed to work a certain way and it just falls flat and doesn't work. <laughs> and then there are times where I don't really have, I mean, I plan it, but it, it, it goes a complete opposite direction and it's better, right? Than what I've planned. Um I think that's a huge one to be realistic and set appropriate expectations. And the appropriate expectation is really, I'm going to trust the Lord. <laughs> Everything else, I mean, you can, you can say, I want this to happen, but it may not happen. 
period. It just may not. Um, the other thing is, you know, the verses that talk about, um, you know, who God is in that, um, you know, he declares the end from the beginning, um, that God will accomplish all that he wills, right? Um, the verse that talks about how, um, you know, the, the rain is sent to the earth to accomplish what it's going to do in watering the ground and God's word will do the same and not return void. Um, I have to trust that. I have to ground myself in those passages knowing um, that God is in control. And lastly, the, you know, the verse that talks about how, you know, God will complete what he has started in me. And oh, what a wretched sinner I am. <laughs> and yet, despite that, God isn't thwarted. God, um, God will accomplish what he will. And if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. He doesn't go back on his word. And so those are verses that, again, I, I kind of hold on to and I, I, I think about often when I get frustrated or tired or, you know, just almost apathetic because at times it does. It can get just monotonous uh, in the sense of day in, day out, talking to people. Um, sometimes you just want to tap out <laughs> um, because sometimes you're not getting anywhere. Um, but then the times where, you know, years down the road, a person comes in and, and, hey, you're Jordan. Yeah, man, I remember you talking to me, you know, four years ago. And I know you probably didn't think of it much then, but man, that conversation rocked my world. Okay, cool. You know, that, that's like, wow, God, thank you for that. That's, that's fruit. And, and that fruit you may not see for years and years and years and years. Um, I think another aspect to being um, in full-time ministry is looking at your family first. I think a lot of times the temptation for a lot of people in ministry or pastors is to look at their ministry first and devote all their time and effort there. And I think in that regard, ministry becomes an idol and a thing that should, shouldn't exist or should not have that spot in a person's heart. And I many times have fallen guilty uh, of that. So, um, you know, keeping your eyes fixed on your calling and not just your calling of ministry, but of your family. And as the leader of my family, I have to, I have to make sure uh, that my family is, is being cared for spiritually, not just physically. And if I'm not caring for my family spiritually, then I've got no business caring for anyone else in that way. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for all those insights. And that, that could be encouraging. I would hope to others who are witnessing to Latter-day Saints or, you know, Maybe they have close friends or family they've been trying to talk to and it's been years and years and years and, you know, maybe they're getting weary. Maybe they feel like it's not getting anywhere, but um, like you said, it's, it, we're just planting seeds. It's all up to the Lord to really bring that increase. Right. Um, so do, we, you've kind of given messages directly to our Latter-day Saint listeners. If there are, if there are those that are listening, um, are there any kind of closing messages or remarks you'd like to give to any of them specifically? Um, yeah. One, uh, I, I don't hate you. <laughs> I love you. Um, the Christians that I run with don't hate you. They love you. Um, we disagree for sure on uh, major theological points of um, things that matter, but we don't go and share what we believe out of spite or because of spite. We do it out of love and not only love for you, but love for the Lord. Um, if a Christian engages you or invites you 
uh, into conversation, I would ask that you be willing to have a respectful conversation. And the same goes for us. If a, if a Mormon comes to us and asks to engage us in conversation, we ought to be gracious enough to, to engage them in conversation. Um, so I would just invite you to just to do that. If Because again, we, we desire to share with you what we um, know to be true and our lives have dramatically changed because of it. And we just want to share a gift that's been given to us. And so that's the intent. Um, and if you ever see a Christian who's not acting in love or who is um, being disrespectful, know that that's the individual. That's not the heart of Christ. And that's not the heart of all Christians. Don't let them become the reason why you disdain Christians. Understand that Christians are sinners just like you. We're not perfect, but we are made perfect in God's sight through Jesus, um, not of our own righteousness. Amen to that. Thank you very much. Uh, Paul and Michael, before we wrap up, did you have any other questions or comments? I just want to say thank you to Jordan for joining us. Uh, I've really appreciated his insights, both when we talked previously and tonight. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for, for coming on. I really have enjoyed your, your insights too. And just uh, the spirit that you, you know, the, the tone and the spirit that you have of, with talking to Latter-day Saints. So it's awesome. Well, praise the Lord. It's like I said, it's, it's a Lord working in me. It's not me. Um, my personality, like I said at the beginning, can be and often is very abrasive. And I have to check my heart a lot and be like, okay, I cannot do this. Uh, I cannot do this in my own strength. And if I do, or in my own flesh, I'm just going to ruin it. I'm going to, man, I'm going to, I'm going to screw up. And um, it is totally 100% the Lord, um, you know, completing his work in me, right? I'm a, I'm a work in progress. I'm, it's, it's the sanctification process, right? And so, um, yeah, that's it. Great. And uh, so before we leave off, this is your time to do any shameless plugging. I, <laughs> I forgot to mention in the introduction that uh, I mentioned your podcast, but I didn't mention the name. It's Perspective Underground, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Is Perspective there anything like Underground. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Perspective Underground is a podcast that we just launched in January of 2020. Uh, it was something that I wanted to do, put together um, for various reasons. But I would say that the first, I, I guess the, the couple main reasons is um, I wanted to reach the world with the gospel. And I didn't know how to do that other than a podcast. Um, and so, yeah, we launched a podcast. Uh, as far as the name goes, uh, it's borrowed from uh, an uncle of mine who was in ministry. Uh, he passed away about seven years ago, six years ago, something like that. Um, and he had a radio program that dealt with Christian apologetics and engaging worldviews. And his, the name of it was Perspective Underground. So it's kind of carrying on that, that name or that heritage there um, out of just respect for what his ministry was. And so, um, th yeah, that's our, that's our show perspective underground. Um, we engage, uh, Christians in encouraging them to have effective, um, communication with people of other faiths and other religions. Right now we're dealing obviously with Mormonism, uh, but we will branch out into other religions such as Islam, Judaism, Jehovah's witness, atheism, uh, Buddhism, the list goes on. Um, it's important that we are, ready and equipped in season, out of season to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And um, we need to be ready, Christians. We need to be ready. And um, 
that's the that's why we've put together the the show we have perspective underground uh within that ministry um it's under the umbrella of Tri Grace Ministries, which is an organization that, that again is is set up to reach uh, people for Christ, uh, specifically in our context, uh, people of the Mormon faith, and uh, again doing it in love. And we do it in a variety of ways uh, through the cafe, through resources that are online, which I'll mention here in a second, um, through um, you know various different avenues. Um, and so where you can find those resources and videos is at trygrace, T-R-I, grace.org. That's trygrace.org. There you can find handouts, printable handouts that are totally free. Uh, they're kind of icebreakers that kind of help the conversation along. Remember, those are a tool. They don't replace the Bible. If you only use those and not the Bible, I would ask that you not download, download those. Um, use the Bible. But um, if you want to help your Mormon friend understand what you're talking about, the visual aid is really for them as a visual learner to see what you're talking about. Uh, and then there's also a book called uh, Witness to Mormons in Love. Uh, it's a re- revised edition of the Mormon scrapbook that was written by Daniel Thompson, the founder and director of Tri-Grace Ministries. In that book, if you are looking how to, how to effectively have a conversation about any topic within Mormonism, you need to buy that book. That book has helped uh, tons and tons and tons of people understand um, Mormonism. And we, we even had, you know, Christians who were ex-Mormon kind of look and vet at that book just to make sure that the concepts and everything that we're talking about are spot on. So, um, yeah, there you go. Those are, those are kind of where you can go to... Um, find resources. I'll make one more, one more shameless plug. Um, if you're really curious about Israel and you're really curious about the Bible and the, um, the physical evidence for the Bible, we, we take trips to Israel every single year. And so if you ever wanted to be a part of a Israel tour, a very unique Israel tour, go to our website, trygrace.org and check that out. Uh, you can sign up there and, and get more information. Um, the other um, the other thing I'll make mention is this. Every other Thursday, so this past Thursday, yesterday, we do a Facebook Live video where Chip Thompson talks about archaeology that he has found within Israel and why it matters to the biblical story and why it matters to the authenticity of, and the reliability and the historicity of the Bible. And so if that's something that you want, that you're interested in, would like to learn more about, you can go to our solid, it's called the Solid Rock Facebook page uh, in Ephraim, Utah. Click that, follow that, and um, we do Facebook Live videos of the, the Bible Museum within our cafe. So check that out, be a part of that. Uh, we'd love to have you. Great. All right. So it sounds like they've got They've got a lot of ways to contact you through either listening to your podcast, uh, Perspective Underground, or Trigrace Ministries, right? So there's a lot of different ways they can get a hold of you if they want to learn more or if they want to come to church with you. You you have church services or something that you'd like to also mention? Yeah. uh, So there's there's two churches in our our area right now. Um, There's Ephraim Church of the Bible, uh, which starts at... 10 a.m. Sunday mornings. And then there's a sister church, a plant church that, that we helped plant in Gunnison uh, Valley, Utah. 
Um, and that's called Gunnison Valley Fellowship Church. And those services start at 11 uh, a.m. on Sundays. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, I'd uh, just like to thank you again, Jordan, for coming on to the Out of Brightness podcast. And uh, we'll be kind of cross, uh, cross, uh, what's the word? Transmitting, cross posting, I guess, on both of our podcasts. So, yep. so pollinating. Um, yeah, Mr. Yep. Pibb is definitely, definitely awake at the moment. <laughs> Not having an effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, we really thank you for coming on. It's been a great conversation. And we really hope this will be a blessing to both our Christian and our Latter day Saint friends. So, thank Absolutely. you again for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And I uh, really appreciate you guys and, and what you do. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys later. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thank you. We thank you for tuning into this episode of the Outer Brightness Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please visit the Outer Brightness Podcast page on Facebook. Feel free to send us a message there with comments or questions by clicking send a message at the top of the page, and we would appreciate it if you give the page a like. We also have an Outer Brightness group on Facebook where you can join and interact with us and others as we discuss the podcast past episodes and suggestions for future episodes etc you can also send us an email at outerbrightness at gmail.com we hope to hear from you soon you can subscribe to the outer brightness podcast on apple podcasts Castbox, google podcasts pocket cast podbean spotify and stitcher also you can check out our new youtube channel and if you like it be sure to lay hands on that subscribe button and confirm it if you like what you hear please give us a rating and review wherever you listen and help spread the word you can also connect with michael the ex-mormon apologist at fromwatertowine.org where he blogs and sometimes paul and matthew do as well music for the outer brightness podcast is graciously provided by the talented brianna flournoy and by adams road Learn more about Adams Road by visiting their ministry page at adamsroadministry.com. Stay bright, fireflies.
Ah.